As lawmakers prepare for an extraordinary legislative session in the coming days, just what proposals will be included is the talk of capital watchers. A hefty pay-to-stay incentives package for consumer goods giant Kimberly Clark is definitely on the table. But what else? Representative Jim Steinecke, the Assembly's majority leader, addressed the session ahead with MacGyver News Friday morning on the Jay Weber Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. Representative Steinecke is our guest today on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Good morning, sir. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations, by the way, again. Uh, it's one of those side stories about leadership, but uh, elected once more to assistant uh, majority leader. I think uh, there are conservatives across this state that uh, would rejoice in that. You've done an excellent job on that front. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to uh, the big story, of course, that's uh, you know affecting the Fox Valley right now, and that is this incentives package. And, Jim, you know, uh, you and I disagree on this. MacGyver Institute and a number of conservative organizations disagree. We're not uh, real fond of this particular pay-to-stay package. But you have made, and others have made, a compelling case, the governor yesterday, why this is so important for the Fox Valley. Uh, If you could, your conversations, where you stand right now, uh, because this is out of the Assembly's control. The Assembly already passed this thing earlier in the year. What are you hearing from Senate leadership where do things stand, and, and what's next? Yeah, so and I appreciate that, Matt, and I, I understand that there's uh, reasonable people that disagree on this issue. And uh, to be quite honest, if we could go back in time and, and find a way to make sure that states throughout the country uh, didn't do any of these incentive packages, didn't do any tax credits, and and just had a, had a good business uh, environment where you competed on a level playing field across the board, um, I'd be the first one to say this is, that would be the better way to go. Uh, but the reality is that that's not the world we're living in. We're living in a world where states are competing fiercely for these jobs. And when you have an institution like Kimberly Clark that's, you know, well over a uh, hundred year history in, uh, in the state here, provides hundreds of really good-paying jobs, family-supporting jobs, and then the supply chain that depends on Kimberly-Clark, um, that's that's why I think in this case it's an appropriate uh, uh, thing to do to try to keep them around. Now, as far as where we're at, uh, it's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, uh, it's in the, As you said, it's in the Senate's lap. Um, I'm not sure where they are in the votes for it. Tony Evers is refusing to step up uh, incredibly he said the other day he's not he hasn't even read the bill when he was first asked about this back in February. And so he is providing no leadership on this which is is frustrating. It's frustrating uh, on on this point whether we agree or disagree on this incentives package. Tony Evers, the governor elect, has said repeatedly in the last several days, well it's a little too late now and he hasn't even bothered to read the bill and to make a statement like that. Yeah, and listen, I like, like I like pers- uh, Tony. He's he's an okay guy. Uh, the the problem is he was just elected governor. The the time for, uh, you know, obscuring your opinions because you're afraid of what's going to happen at a campaign. It's over. He's got to provide leadership now, and by stepping up and saying where he is, whether he's for it or against it, just indicate where you are. Uh, and if you're for it, that would certainly help bring more Democrat votes. Uh, to the table and maybe help get this passed and save hundreds of union jobs up in the Fox Valley. 
It's a signal to me the tax and spend Tony is in over his head. What do you think early on? I mean, it's you got to give him the well, benefit of the doubt and give him a chance to, to go in there and, and govern, I guess. But I, I, I'm not encouraged by what I'm seeing from Tony Evers early on. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly not a good signal if he's if he's unwilling to take a position on this and if he's if he's not even interested enough in a in a major issue like this to actually read the bill. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I hope he comes out very shortly uh, with an actual position. I hope he finds a, a few minutes in his day today or tomorrow to to read the bill over the weekend and maybe come out on Monday with. Uh, with a position on it, but uh, it is concerning, but hopefully this is not an indication of how things are going to go in the future. State Representative Jim Steinecke joining us on the Jay Weber Show this morning. The governor, like I said, was very clear about this. This is not a, a paper mill. This is a consumer products, and excuse the tongue-in-cheek, the uh, possibility of this passing. Will it? Will there be enough votes? Well, that depends. That, of course, is the product. <laughs> It's the the uh, adult incontinence product that's made at this particular facility. But as you, you mentioned, you worked on that for a while. Didn't you? I did. I you know I I did. Uh, and and please tip your waitresses and and try the veal. Um, but no, this this is something where it would appear you've got three senators who have been very public about this. They're not interested in this package, or at least that's what they have said. Unless they have a change of heart, you're going to need Democrats. Where Where is uh, big labor in this? Where are the Democrats, uh, and do they risk alienating on this first move, you know, the people who they are beholden to? Look at the campaign cash contributions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, we knew they weren't going to give, uh, give in before the election because they didn't want... Uh, Governor Walker to get a win before the election. Uh, they didn't want to see uh, him to be seen as, as saving jobs in the Fox Valley. They certainly didn't want Roger Roth, uh, who's a, an author of the bill and was a target of theirs in the, in the campaigns. They didn't want him to get a win. But now we're past the elections. Now it's time to govern. And now it's time to step up and do what we can to to save these jobs. Uh, we can only do this, and to your point and others' point, if, if we're going to get government involved, we have to be very strategic and we have to be very targeted and only do it in cases where, uh, it, you know, these companies have very deep roots. Uh, they have a supply chain that businesses throughout the state re- rely upon them for their livelihoods. I mean, it's it's got to be a unique situation, and I think this is one of those. All right, very good. Let's move to the, um, excuse me, the extraordinary session. Um, is there a schedule at this time and what does this uh, legislature want to do? Governor Scott Walker uh, explained repeatedly yesterday, I think it was falling on deaf ears from the press corps over at the Capitol, uh, that he believes that this, the extraordinary session will include legislation that basically codifies, as he says, the relationship that you have had with Governor Walker over the eight years, laying out the understanding. What is the domain of the legislature? What is the domain of the executive? Of course, there, is all, there are all these concerns that uh, the legislature is going to take away power from the new executive governor-elect, Tony Evers. What is it that uh, you want to accomplish in the extraordinary session? And again, what's the, the timeline here? Really, I mean, the governor hit it exactly, the nail exactly on the head. What, what we've been able to accomplish together 
uh, over the course of the last eight years is because of the relationship we had together, because of the grassroots support we've had from across the state. Um, we we had an amazing amount of legislation that was passed over the course of that eight years. Now, we just want to ensure that one person coming in in January can't, with the, the wave of his magic wand, make some of that stuff disappear. So we want to make sure that Governor Walker's executive orders are codified in statute. Uh, some of the rules that were put in place can't be arbitrarily changed, so we want to codify that. Um, we just want to make sure that the things that went through the legislative process that were uh, approved by the Assembly, approved by the Senate, and signed by the governor can't be uh, arbitrarily wiped away by one guy. If he wants to come in and if he wants to work together with us on making changes to things that we've done over the course of the last eight years, he should follow the same process that we did to enact it. Mm-hmm. Jim, you've heard this. I'm sure I, I'm definitely hearing it from conservatives in the field concern about Tony Evers uh, trying to do what he pledged to do on the campaign trail. You see the piece at MacGyver Institute. You know, Tony Evers made a lot of campaign promises, and uh, he he made those on a hard turn left for the executive. That includes everything from doing his level best to dismantle Act 10, maybe to mess up the Foxconn deal. Uh, tell our listeners, uh, based legislatively speaking, in, in terms of divided government, what can Tony Evers, Governor Tony Evers, do to policies, uh, laws like Act 10 uh, and Foxconn and so many others? Well, I, as it stands now with the, with the fact that people voted for divided government and they, they voted in the, you know, uh, large majorities in both the uh, Republicans in both the Assembly and the Senate, I'm hoping that there's not much he can do to turn back the clock. Uh, a lot of that's going to depend on what we're able to do over the course of the next six weeks to codify what we've, what we've already done to make sure that that's the case, that he can't come in and arbitrarily change it all by himself without going through the legislative process. So I'm, I am more than willing to work with uh, Governor-elect Evers going forward on things that we can work on together to, to make sure we're continuing to make progress here in the state but we're not going to allow him to take us backwards. We're not going to allow him to undo the things that we've accomplished together over the last eight years without working through that same legislative process. Assistant Majority Leader Jim Seneke joins us a few more minutes on the Jay Weber Show. Let's talk about what was the big controversy, the big, well, one of them. It was the, 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 the issue that I think harvested the most questions from the press corps yesterday, and that was uh, talk about changing uh, election dates, uh, the um, primary, the presidential primary, moving that from April to March, disconnecting that with the nonpartisan elections. Where does that stand, and what do you think about the reaction from the left, uh, all of the concerns about uh, decoupling those two things? I'm sorry, I completely lost you there, Matt, for a oh, minute. No, I apologize. Let's let's uh, let's do that again. This whole notion yesterday that came up, the, the press corps was asking the governor about uh, this apparent move to decouple the presidential preference primary election oh, sure. from the you know the the nonpartisan election, moving the presidential side to to March. 
And, of course, there is all kinds of hand-wringing now, gnashing of teeth going on from the left. Where does that issue stand? Is this going to be part of the extraordinary session? And, and what do you say to all of that hand-wringing from the left? Yeah, so that's, I, I think that, you know, that's something that's going to have to be discussed with both uh, the Senate caucus and the uh, Assembly caucus to find out where people are at on that. But uh, I, I think what people want in their elections is less partisanship. And when you have these a partisan, very partisan primary in the middle of these nonpartisan elections, we've seen what happens. Money pours in from across the country into these part, you know, into these partisan races and has an impact on county races and local races. People, people running for county board, people running for, uh, county exec or mayor or whatever it is should not have to deal with these hyper-partisan politics uh, that presidential primaries bring along with it. So the, the idea is to decouple them, to, like you said, to make sure that uh, nonpartisan elections are nonpartisan elections and they aren't mixed in with these highly partisan primaries. And I think that's what people want more of these days is, is more nonpartisan, uh, you know, keeping those two separate as much as we possibly can. What do you say to the usual suspects, uh, some in the press corps yesterday, uh, turning to the governor and saying, well, why didn't you do that in 2016 with the Rebecca Bradley race? Why didn't you do that at that time? Uh, that's been the complaint, of course. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as we've seen over the course of the years, the, the partisan atmosphere is, is getting worse and worse. Uh, so as time goes on, it's becoming more and more clear that uh, things like this are are probably necessary to uh, to make sure that we keep that uh, partisanship out of those elections. Uh, I think it's just gotten continually worse over the years, and um, you know that's that's why we're looking at it now. Agreed, agreed. Uh, final question for you, and uh, whether uh, the conservatives in this state wanted it or not, still some questions about how the uh, election night was handled in Milwaukee County. But that said, the, the people have spoken. They've spoken certainly in Dane County and Milwaukee County, particularly in Dane County. And you just got uh, beat at the executive level with a, just a surge of uh, left-wing voters uh, who went to the polls for, for many, many reasons. But time now to reflect on the past eight years, what you folks uh, in the legislature, along with a strong executive in Governor Walker, have accomplished more than I think any state, certainly, and, and I, I don't remember a more ambitious time in terms of legislative reform, limited government legislative reform, uh, just a few thoughts, if you don't mind, on the last eight years with the Governor Walker at the helm. Well, it, like you said, it's been an incredible eight years. The, the the volume of work we've been able to get done over over the course of that period because of the strong leadership from Governor Walker and a, and a very um, unified legislature has been nothing short of amazing. As I go around and talk to <clears throat> colleagues from across the country, they're always amazed at how much we were able to get done. Now, <clears throat> we can look back and we, you know, we can certainly celebrate the things we've been able to get done. Um, but we also have to, we have to be willing to look forward, make sure that we continually try, even though, you know, we have a governor elect uh, Evers that is, is probably going to try to govern uh, in a more liberal fashion. 
we have to continue to try to move that ball forward. We have a very unique opportunity. I'm always a positive guy, Matt. That we have to we have to look at this as an opportunity to further uh, show the difference between what we've been able to accomplish over the last eight years with a unified government and a strong conservative leader in the governor's office, and what the next four years is going to look like, and draw that contrast between conservative leadership and what Tony Evers uh, is likely to bring. And I, I think that's going to that's going to be able to. Uh, amplify the differences between the two sides indeed we will uh, be watching hey they got snow up uh, where you are right now uh no not really i mean we're, we're mm. still sitting pretty good i mean it's cold yeah so we might as well have snow but um not, not a lot yet i was just thinking about the hunters and uh they will be out in force coming up tomorrow hopefully we get a bigger count uh greg our producer was telling me that uh, it was the lowest number of uh, licenses issued last year. I think it has something to do with those millennials, don't you? It, hey, you know, if uh, <laughs> the kids can stay warm and shoot deer on uh, video games, <laughs> harder to get them out when it's, you know, 25 degrees outside. So That's exactly that right. That might be part of the problem. That might be pro- pro- uh, part of a bigger problem as well, disregarding reality, but that's a topic for a different show. Thanks so much for your time, as always. I certainly Thanks, do appreciate man. it. Yeah, take care. Governor-elect Tony Evers has warned the Republican-controlled legislature not to do anything that would erode the power of the executive branch. The power struggle in Wisconsin's soon-to-be-divided government is only beginning. Thank you for joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting from the Capitol.